Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having an amazing start to your day, middle of your day, end of your day, whenever you are choosing to tune in. I am so excited for you guys to get to know this week's amazing guest, Miss Lisa Wynn. So this was Lisa and I's first conversation, and I love having people on the show that I haven't met or had a previous conversation with before because it allows the podcast to be this incredible getting to know this. It's like a, an exchange of energy that allows us to skip the boring details and just dive into the heart of what allows us to live a fulfilling life. And this conversation is one that I've been wanting to have for a while with Lisa around the idea of making a difference because, you know, the idea of helping others, giving back, being of service to the world has been at the core of our society for millennia. And it is something that I think the world needs, right? As humans, we instinctively want to help each other and contribution and knowing that we're making a big impact on the world is actually something that we all need uh, to live a fulfilling life. The problem is, is that most pursuits of good, whether it's charity or giving back or, or even the individuals that are driven to go out there and make a difference often do so at the expense of themselves. They sacrifice their own well-being and needs in the pursuit of helping others. They take money they don't have and give it away, or they they put themselves and pour their hearts and souls into projects without really reaping any of the benefit in return. And I, I just don't think that's sustainable. And so when I met Lisa and when we had this conversation, it was really refreshing because Lisa believes that you don't have to sacrifice your life in order to make the biggest impact in the world. In fact, the more you fill your own cup up, the more you lean into your desires, the more you are inspired by your life and you feel those levels of love that you've craved all along, the more of an impact you're going to be able to make. The more filled your cup is, the more overflowing in love you're going to be able to share with the world. And that's really what we talk about on this week's episode. We change the paradigm of what it means to create a legacy what it means to live a legacy. And Lisa's work in the world is all around the idea of legacy creation. She's the host of an international number one rated legacy creation podcast. She's an award-winning master certified coach. She's an author, a speaker, and she's all about changing the paradigm of what it means to give back. Her work really focuses on empowering people to create legacies that are fueled by love and inspiration and, and legacies that can be lived today instead of left behind when we leave. And when we, when we start to think about legacies as something we live, we begin to create an impact in a way that's far beyond anything we do. The presence you have on people, the love you connect with, the wrecking ball of goodness that you are just by the way you show up ends up being a ripple impact that changes the world. And so I just love this conversation. It's so important today in today's day and age because I just truly believe that if we were all inspired to live our lives. When, when we live and act in the pursuit of love, we naturally start creating in a way that helps others. And so this conversation was just amazing. We talk about what is legacy creation, why self-love is a key pillar in legacy creation, how to connect with your true desires and why connecting with your desires is actually good for the planet. The difference between change-making and game-changing, which I think was a really beautiful perspective shift for myself, a lot of Lisa's story and so much more. I mean, I'm just... I love these types of conversations, conversations that challenge conventional beliefs so that we can all step up uh, in bigger and greater ways. And I just know that this episode is going to touch you guys in a really beautiful way. So enjoy it. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes. All that means that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox and it helps more people find the show. So subscribe to the episode, leave a review if you haven't already. If you've listened to the episode in the past, if I've added any value in your life, please do me a favor, leave a review, reach out to me on social media, let me know what's what's resonating because it all does help and it does make me feel really happy too to hear from you guys. So 
Anyways, I love you all. Thank you for choosing yourselves. Thank you for prioritizing the podcast as a part of your weekly soul food. And um, I'm just so grateful for you guys to get to know Lisa. And so without further ado, here is the amazing Miss Lisa Jane Wynn. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Thanks for being here. And my gosh, thank you for being here. Hi, Lisa. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I am so grateful. And um, I was saying this to you earlier, but I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time now. And Mm -hmm. just the idea of legacy, legacy creation, and the importance of of prioritizing your own joy in the pursuit of that has been something that I have personally been grappling with a lot over the last year. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start one, what do you define as a legacy? Hmm. So traditionally legacy is something that you leave behind when you go. And it's often been thought of in the past as financial But for me, and and I think there's this huge growing movement on the planet, that legacy is something that means that you get to leave the world a better place than you found it, that you you leave a positive imprint on the energetics of humanity. And more and more, I think people are really getting hold of this idea that rather than leave a legacy, let's live a legacy. Let's be a part of the movement. Let's live it from our soul. Let's be so aligned with it that people see you walking through your life and say, holy pickles, who is that? What is she doing? I want some of that. So for me, it's living a legacy, living in a way that the world is better every day, not just when you've gone. I just love the idea of of legacy being something that you create along the way of life as opposed to something that you're looking back on. Now, how did you actually begin playing with the idea of legacy with yourself? Like, was there a turning point that allowed you to almost reshape the meaning of the word legacy? Definitely. And I would say it's been a journey with then that exponential turning point. You know, when you sit on an exponential curve, you see this huge upwards line in front of you. And when you look back, it just looks flat. (laughs) But For me, there's this long journey of I was a physical therapist and then just found it so difficult to help people to change, even when they believe in me, even when they trust me, just unable to change their own life. So I came across coaching and life coaching as a way to help me be a better physical therapist. And then I was flying all over the world. I was spending sort of more than 30 weeks a year in long-haul destinations, training people, working with corporations, standing on stages. I got to this point where I was being really well paid, doing something I love, traveling the world, making a difference, and it just felt like it would never be enough. It, It didn't have enough impact. And then when COVID hit at the beginning of last year, it was not actually obviously it grounded me like it did many people mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had me sit down and say okay so if I if I just keep helping in this piecemeal piece way forever I'm still going to have this sense of dissatisfaction when I'm 60 when I'm 70 so to really come to this space of supporting legacy creators supporting people who have a mission for the world, releasing all these people who are yearning to make a difference. It's like the the human state right now is yearning to make a difference. So if I can help those people to make a difference, then the ripples will just be immense. And then I looked at those people and they're all exhausted. They were struggling to change. They wanted to make a difference. So I realized that legacy has to start with your world. You have to get into a space where your world allows you to change the whole world. It's it's Mm. very simple. I've been really leaning into the idea of the things that you desire 
and the desires that inspire you and the, and the activities, the actions, the people, the ideas, the messages that fuel you and light your soul up are actually the things that are going to change the world. And so when you're living in alignment with that, because I, I like to think about it, I mean, for me at least, I don't know how much my intuition is mine versus something connected to a greater power, a greater unfolding. And so I always feel like when I listen to the voice in my heart and I follow those desires, I'm actually acting in the greatest and best good of, of whatever I'm supposed to be doing on this planet. So can you speak to the idea and the importance of self-love in the creation of legacy and, and, and how prioritizing yourself or even prioritizing those desires can actually lead you tangibly to making the biggest impact that you are uniquely here to make? For me, it's a key pillar of legacy creation. Because if I say I want the whole world to be happy, but not me, that's completely out of integrity. Mm. I can't love people and not myself. There's no point making myself poor so that I don't feel so bad that other people are poor. What works is to say, I am this incredible human being. I have so much love for myself, so much love for humanity that I can't help but want the best for the whole world. And that includes me. And this piece where so many change makers actually sort of throw themselves on their sword of change making. You know, they, I've worked with organizations like Save the Children, for instance, where the people who are working with those children, it's really hard for them to claim a lunch break because the children are starving. Wow. Yeah. It's, and, and if you don't claim your lunch break, it sounds so simple, but if you don't claim, claim your lunch break, you're no use to those people. Yeah. You can't get from an empty cup. It's such a, I see that so much, not just in people who are out there changing the world, but even uh, parents in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. families, like I think this is a common theme. I'm going to sacrifice myself for the good of someone else. If I selfishly take care of me, then the other person suffers. And there's mm-hmm. this lack mentality where there's only like a, there's, there's, I don't know where this belief comes from, where there's a limited amount of love. Like, it's like, there's this limited amount of love and I can't access this love because if I take any of this love, then I I can't give it to someone else. I feel like that's such a, maybe that's fear. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. What what do you think it is that keeps, keeps individuals trapped in this idea that there isn't enough love to share Mm. or enough love to indulge in, I guess, right word. Yeah. I love that. Just love that idea that there is, there is more than enough love for us all to indulge in. That's such a beautiful term. So I think what happens is when we're small, the fetus becomes the baby, becomes the child who is born into this world expecting love all the time. We're just, we're wired to just cry whenever we want something and someone comes and brings it to us. And then there's this point in life where we're told, big boys don't cry or girls don't get to do that. We start school and suddenly we come from this beautiful environment where hopefully we feel like we utterly belong at home. And then suddenly we have to start fitting in and and fitting in is the opposite of belonging. So when we're taught very early on, you have to fit in. And if you don't fit in, then you won't be the cool kid. You won't get love. If you don't get an A, the teacher won't like you as much. It's this, this whole conditionality that we start to pile onto kids when they're born into this joyful, beautiful union with their parents, hopefully. Hmm. You mentioned earlier around the energetics of humanity being the ultimate legacy to, to, to leave behind. Can you describe what you're referring to as the energetics of humanity? Because I'm curious, you know, like there's, to me at least, you know, a lot of people confuse purpose with what you do. Mm-hmm. And I've been really playing with this idea that purpose is more of who you are. 
And you said it beautifully, like, right? Like you walk around with that energetic presence that just lightens the room and others want to feel that Mm -hmm. and be inspired by it. And I feel that I feel an energetic component to the way you're describing legacy. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your, just the way, like, what does that mean in in your Mm -hmm. own, in your own terms? So if we look to the very root of the word abundance, it comes from the Latin andare, which means a wave. As we start building up the word abundance, actually it means to rise as a wave. So when, when we start with us, when we recognize that we are the particle and the wave, we are an expression of the human collective consciousness. Everything I do makes an imprint on the human collective consciousness. Now, the strongest energy will win. So if at the moment we have so much fear in the human collective consciousness, so much of this separatism, so much of the, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. We have this in the human collective consciousness right now. So those of us who are really focused on raising the vibration of that, when we show up in lightness, when we lean into love, when we lean into unity consciousness, when we, 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 just, we, we come together, then the temperature, the vibration of the human collective consciousness raises a little bit. And if I go into a room and I say, come on, you must change, we must change the world. People say, yeah, yeah, I get it. But if you walk into a room, be that one other person or a thousand other people, and people say, wow, what is it? Who is she? Who is she? There's something about her. There's something about him. Then then those people immediately start calibrating energetically Mm. to who you are. And the human collective consciousness just uh, gently warms up. I love the idea. And I've, I've, I've experienced this in the, I've been around people that inspire a greater level of gratitude in me. Mm-hmm. I've been around people that inspire a greater level of compassion, a greater level of courage, a greater level of, of play, of fun, of lightness. And I, I do carry that, right? Like it's like being the ripple, like being the ripple is, that's the beautiful part about why I, I, I'm just, I really resonate with the idea of living your legacy and being that lighthouse because when you are that, you really don't know how many people you're impacting. Like you can't even like you, the tangible impact that you make on the world, like, oh, I saved this many people. Oh, I helped this many people or I fed this many people. Like, sure, that's a tangible impact, but the living legacy of who you are, that walking, talking, energetic presence that unlocks love in a multitude of ways through just an experience is so much bigger. Like I I have been touched by people where I would never even know their name, but just the way that they said something to me, the something just, it sparked something in me, or I listened to a song that just created something in me. And so I love this idea of just raising the vibration by raising the, the level of light that you have in yourself and then allowing that to be the biggest impact you make. Allowing that to define your legacy in a lot of ways. Mm, absolutely. And there's, there's a, a sort of model, just, you know, models are only any good for creating awareness, not for getting hung up right. on. But there's a model used in sort of legacy creation, which is just designed to free people up. So we start with personal potential where I'm just living my gifts. I'm I'm creating the life that I want. I'm I'm working on my energy, my abundance, my joy, my lightness, my fun. You know, too many of us get so serious about it. It's like, I'm honest. I remember my first ever sort of personal development mentor said to me, he he can always tell when somebody's on a spiritual journey because they're like, you know, it's only their face that moves. And, and, and I know that a spiritual journey is about joy and it's about lightness right. and love. And, I, you know, I really don't mean to offend anyone, but I don't think there's any description of the universe, whether it's universe, God, Allah, source. I don't think any of those really come from this sincere, never have fun place. Right. They can't. So, no, no. It's, so... So we have this personal potential 
And when we step into that, then the potential just starts popping. So then other people are inspired around us. If we just keep living that, if we keep doing a bit more maybe, then more and more people are inspired by them. And then you finally you get to the stage of pure, pure potential where the human collective consciousness just deletes the thing. So like one day my granddaughter or my, her granddaughter will say, can you believe they used to use plastic once and then just throw it away? Like their mind would be blown by the insanity of single-use plastic, whereas right. now we're in the space of trying to obliterate it, trying to cut it out of our own lives. So when we're living in a way, when we're just creating something different around us and it grows and it grows, and then suddenly humanity thinks differently, you know, that, that's the potential of, of everyone's personal potential. Gosh, it's just, there's a lightness to, to flow. I've been thinking about this a lot more recently just because I've had a, just, this has been a, a very present conversation for me personally. Mm-hmm. And like, I used to think that I had to, like, I have to be the person that helps others. I have to help people. I have to, there's this like, there's this conditional, almost have to nature to being a good person in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. And quote unquote, for everybody listening, I was definitely being quote unquote to the idea of a good person. <laughs> but like, to me, I'm, I'm realizing more and more that when you change that energy of I have to, to I get to, or I want to, or I desire. And if you chase those, whatever those are, you somehow, some way always end up back at helping people. You somehow, some way, like when you chase your desires and you do, and you're coming from that place of pure love and authenticity for yourself, right? There's chasing desires from a place of ego. And that's why I think it's so important for everybody to do the work. And to, mm-hmm. and to come in alignment with who they are and integrity with who they are. But when you, when, you, when you chase that personal potential, when you raise the frequency of who you are, you naturally end up in a place where you just want to help others, where you want to be light, where you want to give yeah. back, where you want to play with your community fellow. Like mm-hmm. you just want to create and share in the mm-hmm. abundance, in the dance. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just feel like that pursuit of joy like joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't actually also benefiting others, right? Like No, and I think it's maybe it's not even joy. You know, it, I don't know that there is such a thing as joy that isn't beneficial, at least okay for everybody else. Right. You know, that's something else. That's something else, right? Joy is a pure essence of lightness and celebration that comes from the soul i don't i don't know any other way to feel joy than to be in harmony with humanity otherwise it's you know it might be pleasure it might be something else but right there could be a different word for it right like there could mm-hmm. there, and don't get me wrong there are a lot of people out there that pursue that that think they're pursuing joy but they're really pursuing power or they're pursuing some level of self-indulgence mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that side doesn't exist mm-hmm. and what i'm saying is that underneath that mm-hmm. underneath all of the conditioning underneath all of those sort of those mm-hmm. take from take from one pot and put it in another there's this genuine shared love for self like i think what i'm really referring to is like when you choose yourself when when you honor your needs when you take mm-hmm. care of yourself, when you're coming from that place of like, I love myself so much, I'm going to do this thing because it lights me up. Somehow, some way it ends up, it ends up lighting the world. Like you end up being that beacon of, of, of that, that almost like that, you're like a wrecking ball of, of, of positivity of light that creates an <laughs> impact or you yes. start to create projects which attract other people because it's, you become magnetic. And then in that there's flow. And when you're flowing with the universe, when you're flowing with the way things are, when you're following that thing that feels easy, it ends up making a difference. Yes. And you know, you, you talked about like some desires come from the ego. For me, if you feel into the energetics of desire, like when you desire something, oh, just feels delicious right you Mm. put your hand on your heart and you say i desire that's a different resonance than if you put your hand on your heart and say i want because when you want something it's need it's lack you know it's like 
not quite okay without this, but I desire this means I'll be okay without it, but wouldn't it be amazing? Mm, and it's I know that feeling. Purity, right? <laughs> I'm laughing because I know exactly yeah. what you're referring to. It's like a, it's delicious. It, there's so much to it. It's like, oh, I would love that. That I would love to like it's a it's a very light and playful energy. And I think that's actually, as you're speaking, I'm realizing desire that isn't coming from a connected, like I think most people are disconnected from themselves mm. or disconnected from their feelings, from their bodies. And so mm. when, when, when you're disconnected from your body, you can't feel the, the resonance. You can't feel that, right? So then you do mm. potentially have your mind to start to morph what true what your true desires are. How do you connect with your desires? And how do you how do you feel into like what is it authentically a desire versus maybe a need or a want? So for me, you mentioned the work, you know, I think it's is there a technique that you can just do that's trickier. For me, how I do it is I breathe. Mm. And just breathe and smile. You know, the neuroscience of smiling is so incredible. So breathe, smile, and just allow that thought, that feeling to come up. And, and if it sort of rattles around a bit, if it sort of feels a bit spiky, it's probably a want, it's a need, you know, it's something different. Whereas if I can just smile and let the thought of it fill me and it just fills me and it keeps going and it just feels like I'm in the energy of it. That's how I would recognize it's a desire. Gosh, I just, I love the, the desire is so rooted in presence. Mm. It's so rooted in the present moment because your desires can change in every moment based on your mood, based on the change, the things you're experiencing, the flow of life. Like, Desire is such a present moment experience. And I love that you brought it back to the breath because when, when you can, you're, when you're breathing, you are breathing in the moment. Like it is truly an anchor for what is here and now and what is true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why leaning into desire and acting in the direction of your desires is, is such a, a noble. And I love you. And I'm going to use the word noble because that I do believe that creating in the direction of your desires is one of the greatest legacies that anyone can leave behind. If the legacy that I certainly hope to leave behind is, mm-hmm. is the pursuit, the brave pursuit of my desires and to create that from that place of lightness. And I, I just feel like, I feel like that isn't taught. And that's why I was so excited to have you here just because I know that that's what you embody. Like that's what you mm. stand for is this pursuit of, 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 of filling up your cup and, and leaning into your desires and allowing that to fuel the impact because you can fuel something from love or fear from yes. abundance or lack. And mm. I, for a long period of my life was running from, I don't mm. want this. I don't want this other person to feel, I, I it was always a lack mm. instead of uh, I want this person to feel this. I desire this for myself. This lights me up and I'm learning to distinguish and see the contrast. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling so much more power and so much more abundance, so much more Mm. love and so much more, so much more flow (laughs) in in the other. Yes. And, you know, when we do that, we make the space for other people to be inspired. This is why I make the distinction between change making and game changing. Mm. So change making, often we do it from sacrifice. We burn ourselves out. We're working like dogs to make something happen. For me, the shift, the sort of evolution of the new paradigm of change making needs to be this idea of game changing. A game changer, in my definition, knows that it starts with your world. Because let's face it, if I... You know, I remember working with those incredible people from Save the Children, for instance. I always thought that I would love to go and do like humanitarian work until I saw the state they were in. Mm. And, and it's incredible. And I loved supporting them and I'm completely in awe of them. And then from this game-changing piece, 
people are more likely to be inspired to become change makers. So if they see, for instance, that you're living an abundant life, that you're happy, that you have lightness, that people love you and you have great relationships and you're making a difference, then they're going to say, I I want some of that for me. You know, whereas traditionally change making. So here's here's a really interesting thing I've noticed about energetics of change making and a very new baby podcast compared to yours. But one of the first early episodes I did was on the shadow aspect of change making. I had messages from all over the world. So what happens a lot is when we're being of service from ego, we have to do something which is either put ourselves above or below the person we're helping. Mm. So if I say, you know, I need recognition, I need to feel like I'm kind, I need, and therefore I'm helping. If that's the energetics of what's happening, then I'm somehow a bit superior because I'm the helper. And, and then you have the other sort of seesaw effect of this, the other sort of pendulous swing of this, which is, I'm not worthy, therefore I help others. Mm. Like I, I, I put myself above or below the people I'm helping. Whereas, oh my gosh, when you see the plight of people in the world, but you remember that we're both humans, we're both part of the human collective consciousness, and I am being in service of the human collective consciousness of which I am part, there's no hierarchy. There's just pure love. I love this. I'm so glad you brought up the shadow because I think that there's like your mind. We talked about belonging, right? As children. Mm-hmm. And when we have our sense of belonging challenged, the mind tends to create rules or beliefs that it thinks will help us create a sense of belonging or belong or be loved. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that is the shadow aspect of service, right? The shadow aspect of contribution to humanity. And I've been really playing with like, if I didn't have to help people, would I? Mm. If I didn't have to love others, would I? If I didn't, and, and this goes with family too. And a lot of people, like, if I didn't have to be there for my parents, would I? If mm. I didn't have to take care of my team, would I? If I didn't have to, like, mm. I think there's a fear, a genuine fear that's not rational, but there's a fear that if I didn't have to, if I didn't have this external thing, then I wouldn't do it. And I've been unraveling that a lot. Like the more I sit with it, like if I didn't have to love my family, would I? Of course I would. But you change, but you change the energy, right? Like when you take the if I didn't have to away and you say, like, oh my God, like I don't have to, and I'm going to, that's the lightness and that's the connectedness, right? Like, and I think that shadow exists for a reason. And I think for me, at least the only way that I was able to sort of move beyond the shadow was to love it and to understand why it was created in the first place. It was created to protect. It had great intentions Mm. and it's not necessary. Yeah. There's a lot of personal development where it's all about the shadow Everything has a shadow. You have to deal with the shadow. What I've found is that that can be powerful work. And that sometimes you just have to love your shadow. Yeah. Huck it under your arm and take it with you and just walk with your shadow. Think about it. When you're, when you walk along the street, you're not even conscious of your shadow. It's not holding you back. It's there with you. And and we can often, we can really get to the space where we say, you know what, I, I really need to feel like I've been kind. I have that need. That's in me. And it's okay because actually I also want to be kind. Yeah. I don't have to beat myself up that I have a need to be kind. <laughs> so relieving. I totally hear what you're saying. Like, I went through a certain a period of, of time in, person, in my journey with the self-work and the healing work where I was trying to abolish all of my needs. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of having needs, I was like, nope, if I need something, that means that I am operating from shadow or I'm operating from weakness. <laughs> and I think that that right there, like it's so limiting because your needs are based in your humanity as well. Like you can't have the light without the dark. You don't want to be just a god. 
we're human beings. We're not here to, I don't know, maybe some people might feel like they're here to become God, but I'm not here to become God or higher, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like humanity has the light and the dark. And so in embracing that and embracing your beauty, I just feel like there's such a, there's such a gift that you get to give the world by even just that walking, talking example of carrying your shadow, your needs, your desires, your, your humanity with you and being vulnerable and having dignity in the way that you stand with them, right? Like, I think that is impact. In fact, being the change, being the example, being that light is about carrying your darkness. It's about embodying it all and, and allowing that to the delicious cocktail of you to, to authentically speak through the way you do things and the way you are. Yeah, it just, it, it creates this pure transmission. When people say to me, I don't feel like I should need that. I say, so listen, the clue is in the name. You know, it's a need. <laughs> it's not a random word, is it? It's something we need. When we, when we take on board our needs, when we put our oxygen mask on first, you know, and I can't really fly at the moment, but So if I'm sitting on a plane and there's a small child next to me and the oxygen masks fall down, I put mine on because otherwise I'm useless if I scrabble around helping other people. And and we need to bring that into our lives. We need to bring it so that we're working. You mentioned not working from sacrifice. If we don't have enough of something and we try and give it to somebody else, we call that sacrifice. The game changer recognizes that generosity is much more powerful. So if I've got what I need and a bit more, it's easy for me to give to you. And when I've given to you, I haven't gone into deficit. I haven't gone into lack. I'm feeling great because I gave it to you because I wanted to. And you, it's easier for you to take it because you don't feel the conditionality. If I cook you a meal and it's delicious, but I need you to tell me it's delicious and I need you to to feel my love, then it tastes conditional. Wow. And you're not going to want another one, right? It's going to be harder for you to keep accepting from me because you know that this is conditional. Wow. That's uh, the energy of the give. Is something that is so important and not talked about enough because you're, you're right. Like, I mean, you can feel the difference. You can feel it. Absolutely. I know people who have, who have given me things, given me love, given me something, but maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously wanted something in return. And I can feel the difference versus an unconditional sort of just expression and mm-hmm. unconditional just give uh, a sign of appreciation even as a way of giving, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many ways of giving. Like I'm just really resonating with, I'm glad you brought up the oxygen mask analogy because I've always, I believe a lot in inner child work and I, I believe deeply that we all have a little version of like every trigger, every, almost all of our needs are actually coming from the inner child within ourselves and and the needs that we were given or not given as children. And so the idea of even putting the oxygen mask on yourself is almost like you're putting it on your inner child. You're putting it on yourself and giving yourself the needs you have so that you can feel whole. And wholeness is, I think, what inspires generosity, Right. Like we are all like, that's the feeling. Like when I feel whole and complete or when I feel filled, like just when I feel filled with my own love, with my own, because even that, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like giving and receiving love, love is a feeling at the end of the day, like you don't need someone to give you love in order to feel love. Like you can create the feeling of love within yourself. Like it's a feeling like, just the way you can feel joy and you can feel peace. Like you can feel in, you can feel impactful. Like you don't need to make an impact to feel impactful. That's a feeling that's separate from the action. And I think it's so important to remember that the energy of the give is so much more important than the give itself. And yeah, because if you, if you feel impactful, it's sort of 
the other way around. Rather than you don't have to do an impact to feel impactful, you need to feel impactful to make a positive, vibrant impact. Yes. If I believe that I can't have an impact, then I go up to something hesitantly and not believing in myself and the impact either just won't stick or it won't happen, it will be ineffectual. If I first know myself as impactful and I present myself to the situation as impactful, the impact happens. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just felt my body just have like a nice sigh of relief because that's Mm -hmm. so much less stressful than needing to do impact. I think we exhaust ourselves in this game of doing. Mm -hmm. We exhaust ourselves in this game of just continuously chiseling away and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying without truly feeling the impact first. Like when we feel it first, it's naturally overflowing into others' lives. And then, and then giving feels effortless. It feels natural. It feels, you never give more than you have. And in fact, like it's always a mirror for what you have inside. And I think that's what's so important about your work and the way that you, you teach legacy and in the conversation that you're starting around what it means to live a legacy it is truly creating the legacy from the inside out it is it is truly being the change you wish to see in the world than the words of late gandhi like it's it is that it's but it's being it it's not doing it it's being the change yeah and you know what i realized only very recently about this that it's not so much just it's not doing it's being it's being and doing in alignment. Yeah. That's where the magic is. Think about the yin and the yang. So the yang energy is the positive, masculine, the bright side. It's the side of the mountain that is upward facing and that the sun shines on. And it's hot and it's impactful. And then the yin side, the feminine side is dark. It's, it's damp. It's receiving. So when we do all of that masculine, and I'm not talking male and female, I'm really talking masculine yeah. and feminine. Here. Energetics, yeah. But when we do that sort of masculine piece, but we do it in balance with the feminine, when we trust the universe, when we trust people to receive and we act in that space, from that space, magic. It's harmony. Mm. It's wholeness. It's whole. It true. It is true duality. Like you, you, you cannot give without receiving. In fact, they're two. They're the same energy. A mentor of mine gave me this really beautiful reframe early on in my career around receiving help from others. I used to be really bad at that. And he said, "Like Raj, how do you feel when you help someone?" And I said, "I feel amazing. I love being the helper. I love giving, 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 giving." And then he's like. Okay, well, why are you denying your friends and family members who love you so much the same feeling of being helpful, of being givers? Like by you not receiving, you are denying, you are denying the same level of love that you feel in yourself. Yeah, like who are you to deny somebody else that pleasure? Right. And that (laughs) changes the energy of it altogether and it Mm -hmm. makes you... Inherently, when you believe you are worthy of receiving help, you're healing something much deeper mm. than a, like it's, it's doing so much more. Like you are truly receiving help from the universe. I've, I believe that I have had so, I've had so many angels in my life show up in the forms of human beings mm. and show up in the form of people just magically emerging into my life and giving me and helping me in ways I didn't even realize, but it was only to the degree that I was willing to receive. I was brought up in this, my, my grandparents are this epitome of unconditional love and conditional love coming together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So oh, yeah. funny. So my, my mother was actually, my mother was conceived while my grandfather was away at war. So obviously not a biological father. And my grandmother wrote to my grandfather, who'd been away at war for two years when my, she got pregnant, saying, I'm, I hope you're safe. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm pregnant. 
And my grandfather wrote back from the trenches in the war. I have the letter saying, my darling, I can love any child, any child. And I love you. If you still want me, you still love me. I'm going to come home. I'm going to make sure I survive this war and I'm going to marry you. And this will be our child if that's what you want. And and that's what happened. He came home from the war. My mother had already been born by that point. He met the baby. And my mother grew up feeling this unconditional love from him. This this absolute, and they had a son together. And, And my mother never felt less than her younger brother. And my grandmother never forgave my grandfather. It was like he put her so deeply in in her mind. He put her so deeply in his debt that she always felt like he had given her something she couldn't give back. And it was extraordinary to watch this. My grandfather just keep loving, just keep love. I mean, I love my grandmother dearly, God rest her soul, but just to watch what happens when you can't receive, when somebody yeah. gives you the ultimate gift. In 1943, in England, you you certainly didn't, you know, you shouldn't have been um, right. married, unmarried and have a child. You certainly shouldn't do it to somebody who's away at war. But he came home and he made it so beautiful. Their story has always inspired me because I can feel that, I can feel that conditioning. I can feel the epigenetics of, right. of my, my maternal bloodline and this martyrdom of you know, if you receive, you're less than. But then I saw this role model of this beautiful, unconditional love. Where I'm just going to keep giving you love. Doesn't matter to me if it comes back. Doesn't matter if you receive it. I'm going to keep giving it to you. Always, when I struggle to receive, I, I come back to the two of them and, and, and breathe, step into my feminine and receive. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing that story. That is absolutely beautiful and inspiring on God knows how many levels and Mm -hmm. such an important reminder to receive the light. That's what's going to heal the world. Like when we receive unconditional love and we allow, and there's an allowance because there's a choice. And that's what makes this whole dance with this, this, this game of life so beautiful and intriguing and fun and playful. It's that we all get to make a choice, right? There's, we all have experiences with individuals or people wanting to help, wanting to give love. We all get strokes of, of miracle and we all have it. We just, we all have magic happening in our lives. And, and, and the more we allow ourselves to receive that magic, whether it's in the form of love through another person, whether it's in, a stroke of luck from the universe in the form of an opportunity, whether it's in the form of any type of inspiration that might show you are actually being light. You are raising your own vibration. You are being the legacy. You are creating the impact. You are the change you've been looking for. And um, I just, I love you, Lisa. You are such a bright, beautiful, wonderful human being. And I'm I, I, I'm just so grateful for you as for what you teach, for how you teach it, for just the way you express um, your light. And it has made such an impact on me. And I know everyone listening as well. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. I do want to ask, so can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing and how anybody listening might be able to sort of just get involved and learn more about legacy creation and, and be a part of your world. I would love to learn more myself even. Mm. Yeah. So I work in lots of different ways from sort of free classes around change making through to one-to-one private coaching. I, I recently launched the legacy creation podcast, which, um, we, we hit 30 countries and five continents in the first week. Wow, good for you. Isn't it? Like, That's wow. fun. Yeah, so we've just been going a few weeks on about episode 12, I think. So that's Research Legacy Creation Podcast. We'll come up that way. 
or come and join my gorgeous free community on Facebook, which is the Legacy Creation Clan. Mm, it's so good. We have incredible, beautiful people in there who all stages of trying to find the confidence to even think about having a legacy all the way through to amazing people already having a, a massive impact on the planet. I love that. It's You need the confidence to even believe you have a legacy and confidence is a byproduct of love, self-love, of trust in self. Like there's so much and that comes back to what we were, we've been talking about this entire time. The more you raise your own frequency, the more you learn to love yourself, like the more you feel like you get to have a legacy. This is something that can be possible for you. And Ah, you're so lovely. (laughs) You're so lovely. I I am just so, I'm a huge fan. Um, I got one last question for you, Lisa. Mm -hmm. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I breathe. Mm. I'm a big believer in breathing. I'm a pretty grounded soul, to be honest. And when, when I find myself physically flying all over the world. I just, I make time to breathe, to be grateful, grateful for myself, I think is my most, I think that's the most important practice I do in my life these days. I'm just so grateful for myself. I'm grateful for who I am. I'm grateful for how I show up in the world. I'm grateful that I don't take myself too seriously. I'm grateful that I think I'm hilarious. Mm. I mean, I'm so, like, I can't bear intolerance. Intolerance, I can get really intolerant of intolerant people. Mm. How ridiculous is that? Like? (laughs) You're a mirror for, it's all a mirror. (laughs) Exactly. Like, uh, uh, she's driving me crazy. She's so intolerant. Can you hear yourself? <laughs> so I, I think, you know, that's what keeps me grounded is, is gratitude for myself and, and just a sort of, just I look at myself and I shake my head fondly and say, oh, Lisa, bless. <laughs> she's doing her best. She's doing a good job. Um, and that helps to ground me rather than, it's the, I think it's the opposite of believing your own press. That's the thing that I've always been most afraid of, that I would believe my own press. <laughs> well, there's a dance <laughs> with the importance of believing your own press and the importance of not, right? Mm. There's, there's the dance and you mm. do it so delicately. And I just love the way that you infuse gratitude into the practice of, because mm. gratitude, I feel, is that it's the thing that keeps you grounded in the moment. And remembering not to believe your own press. And it's the thing that allows you to humbly receive your own press with grace and joy. And so, Mm -hmm. so lovely. Lisa, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your heart with all of us. I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm grateful to build a deeper relationship with you. Yes, Um, me too. I'm excited for that. Um, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Lisa. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.